And we are back. This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez, and this is the Art of Health. How are we doing, everybody? So, topic for this podcast, or a few topics. I got some questions from a gentleman, from a follower, Mr. Gonzalez, and they were very good questions. So in this podcast, we'll be talking about fasted cardio. We'll be talking about... Arm training, we'll be talking about post-workout, peri-workout nutrition, talking about periodization, and hopefully we'll discover some things that are of use to many of you. And these were just very just very specific, very pointed questions. So I'll get right into this. No reason to waste time. So topics that he had questions about, or the questions he had. First question is concerning fasting, specifically taking branch-chain amino acids acids before training fasted in the morning. So he wanted my opinions on this. Should you take BCAs before you train if you are training fasted? Uh, I would advise, I would suggest that no, you really shouldn't or no, you don't need to. So branch amino acids, I've talked about this in multiple articles. Branch amino acids have largely been disproven as being a useful supplement there are actually it's actually more effective to take essential amino acid mixes than it is to take branched amino acids before fasted training. And at the same time, when you're talking about oh, well, I want to train fasted, meaning you know you haven't eaten anything, but should I take aminos so I don't lose muscle? Amino acids have calories. So if you're talking about taking BCAs or even essential amino acids, EAAs, you're technically not fasted anymore if you're ingesting those things. You're just training with, you know, let's say like sub, you know, suboptimal calories, I guess you could call it. As far as muscle loss from fasted training, if you really dive into the research guys and look at the real world implications, this is very overstated. Working out on empty stomach is not going to make you lose muscle mass. Muscle mass is built post-training, not during training. So... As long as you're having a pre-workout, you know, I'm sorry, as long as you're having a post-workout meal of protein where you're, let's say you're training fasted, let's say you fasted for 18 hours, uh, at the end of 18 hours you train, and then you go have a meal of food, of protein, you're fine. BCAs before training, uh, you know, again, it's not truly fasted training. Um, it's not, you know, the allegations of muscle loss are really overstated. Occasionally, with bodybuilders, with like with competition, competitive bodybuilders, guys that are extreme dieting, they'll some of them will, will claim that they definitely lose muscle mass if they do fasted cardio on their legs. I maybe maybe not. I, I, that's a case of anecdotal evidence. That's it's a, it's a case by case basis, but that's also a very specialized population, and those are very big guys. So I can't I can't recommend that. Oh yes, they're, I can't say with certainty that yes, they're absolutely right. That may just be unique to some of them. And yes, definitely some people do lose muscle mass uh, with more ease, so to speak, than others. But for the average person, for ninety nine percent of people, uh, BCAs before fasted morning training, if if you want to, but if you're doing it to you know alleviate muscle muscle loss, it's really not a concern. And truthfully speaking, EAAs are actually more effective, at least according to the current evidence that you know i that we have available that science that science has found that you know but this is both practical science and practice science eaas are more effective than bcas bcas are just expensive for no reason and they do have some uses but overall it's just a waste of money like i've said like i've said before next question was concerning trap training 
So some people say the best way to build traps are with heavy barbell shrugs, light alternatives. Anyone that says there's one best way to do something is always basing that, basing that upon their personal experience. So there's a term in science called N equals one, which basically means something that only proves itself. If you have somebody where they did heavy shrugs, or let's say they're rowing 500 pounds on the barbell and they got big traps from it, well, of course it worked for them. No shit. Well, that was, that was the best way, according to them, because that's what worked for, him, for them. However, what worked for you doesn't necessarily work for everybody else. Overall, overall, most powerlifters and most very, very large, strong people that can deadlift a lot are also big in other ways because they do other exercises. So can heavy barbell shrugs help build the traps? Yes. Are they the best way? Practically speaking, not for everybody. Not everyone's going to be able to put five, four, five, six, seven, eight plates on the board and shrug it. Your trapezius is not your, your trapezius muscles are not dependent upon, just upon load to be built up. So I am favorable to a more reasonable approach in which traps are trained with lighter shrugs, with static holds, with isometric holds. I like rep ranges in the you know, 10, 15, 20. And based upon the clients I've trained, the people I've worked with, and the bodybuilders that I know, both you know at pro and you, know, you could say recreational, heavy barbell shrugs only work for about 20% of people. So let, let, let's try and say it that way. Let's try and make it simple. Heavy barbell shrugs are not the best way to build the traps. They're one way, and it's a way that doesn't usually work for most people. Most people, to build up their traps, they'll need heavier weight, simply because of the muscle composition of the, of the trapezius themselves. So if you want to build up traps, use lighter weight. I might have said heavier. Use lighter weight, more reps, and like anything else, build muscle. It's about filling the muscle work. It's not about the weight you can use. Next question, my thoughts on concurrent periodization. So for those that don't know what that is, periodization means planning. Concurrent periodization means that you're training for multiple things at once. Uh, yeah, this, this can work. Concurrent periodization has been around for 100, uh, over 100 years. It's been around actually for thousands of years. Militaries have used it for millennia. And it simply means that you are using multiple modalities of training and working on building up your endurance and working on getting more muscular and working on building your strength. Yeah, that can definitely be done. It can also be done poorly. It can be done very well. So I, you know, thoughts, it depends on how you're doing it. That's very case by case. It's very situational uh, specific. So you need to, you need to, I, I would need situ, situational awareness to answer that question fully. That is not something that I can just give an answer to. Concurrent periodization can work. It can work very well. It can also not work very well like anything else. Next question. My approach to neck training. My approach to neck training is very traditional because the human body, human skeleton has not changed in a few million years. Your neck does flexion, extension. It also does rotation. It stabilizes. And you need to train all those functions if you want a thick neck. Wrestlers and martial artists have thick necks because they're constantly using their heads to stabilize and move someone's body. They are resisting force. So if you want to train your neck... You know, head nods, you know, so a neck harness, uh, doing neck flexion, you know, put the plate on your forehead, back and forth. Do something that's anti-rotational or rotational, side to side, and do those things every day. You know, do two sets a day. Neck training, your neck is not something that you can train heavy every day. If you do two sets of neck training a day and you train five days a week, that's 10 sets a week, that's 40 sets a month, guaranteed your neck will be substantially different looking in three months. 
That's that's really all it takes. If you're a wrestler, if if, you, if you're a combat athlete, and you have greater demands, don't do, oh don't overdo it on trying to train your neck. Um, I've seen guys try to like use the kitchen sink approach of doing you know eight sets of neck training. First time they do it, and they literally cannot move their head the next day. You know, your neck is a very delicate area. Your your spine, your cervical spine, is a very delicate area. But it's like any other body parts, like any other joint. What does the neck do? Well, it's cervical spine. Flexion, extension, rotation, anti-rotation, anti-flexion, anti-extension. Train all of those, and you'll be good to go. Next question. If you have a large post-workout meal, what are the effects of low-fat versus moderate-fat? And he gives the example. So like a big thing of potatoes with lean chicken versus a meal with beef, eggs, cheese, carbs, calories being equal. Uh, So your post-workout meal, so that's after you train, and your body generally needs some energy. I suggest a low-fat and high protein meal, for reason being that it digests faster. That, that's really it. So there's been evidence, there's been you know studies and research done that having a bunch of fat after training can slow down digestion and it can maybe slow down protein synthesis. But in reality, the only reason not to have a ton of fat after you train is it just makes your food digest slower. Generally speaking, after training, you want to digest or you want. Generally speaking, after training, you want to eat food. That digest quickly to restore your energy levels. That's carbs and protein. If you want to have a big meal of steak, you could, but you're going to feel pretty tired more than likely. But again, it depends. So my general recommendation, low fat, high protein. If you want to go higher fat, you can. See what your response is. And then last question, last question of these. Any problems with having casein or any other slow digesting proteins without concern for timing? No. Absolutely none. I mean, casein digest, casein and beef digest about the same. You know, they're a slow digesting protein due to their amino acids in them. You can use them how you want. Uh, you know, there's no real reason to be concerned about. There's no reason to be concerned, journey guys, about protein sources at all. Like, so these are kind of like the bro questions. Well, if I have this protein with this protein, so long as you're getting enough protein in on the, on the daily. Let's say you're eating four times a day. You're getting in your a lot amount. The, the timing of it, the more consistent you are with when you eat, the less the specific timing matters. So, you know, such questions of, well, what if I have my protein shake like an hour and a half versus an hour? Who fucking cares? It, 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 and I say that not to be mean, but it just really does not goddamn matter. You know, what if I have my protein shake at 8, but I go to bed at 10? So you had it at 8. Well, what if I have casein away versus uh, just whey? I'm like... Whey digests really fast, doesn't make you feel that full. Casein digests slower, makes you feel more full. So take advantage of those effects. But you know, again, overall protein intake, consistency of the protein intake, super specific timing, this protein versus that protein, what are you trying to do? Yeah, you know, this, this is the problem with these kinds of questions. There's no context uh, in certain ways. Well, what do you think of whey? I don't, I don't fucking know. What do, what do I think of whey? What are you talking about? What do you think of this exercise? I don't know. What are you talking about? You know, what do you think of this movement in regards to what? So I, I emphasize, emphasize this over and over, guys. I have no problem answer, answering your questions at all. And these were good questions, but context. Context. What's the real context you're going for? Now, if, you, if you don't know the context, if, you're, if it's a topic you're like, I don't know anything about this, then say that. Say, you know what? This is something that Cassine way, I, is there a difference? I don't know what these things are. Say that. But so for that question, casein or slow digesting proteins, 
Food that digests fast does not make you feel full. Food that digests slow makes you feel full. Casein is a slow digesting protein. It's useful for controlling appetite because of how slow it digests. It's also useful for having at night because if you have casein in the evening as your you know evening you know protein meal during speaking you'll be full for hours. You will wake up. You won't be hungry. Um, you know you'll wake up and you won't be ravenous. So it works well for that. It you know, keeps your body with a steady supply of amino acids all night long. And that's it, guys. So BCAs, fasted training, shrugs, periodization, neck training. What else do we cover? Oh, post-workout meals. And then proteins. Ask questions in context. You got anything for me? I'll always be happy to answer so long as it's within reason. And I will talk to you guys again. Adios.